Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So it's a great time to be a Georgia fan. You already know that. And weekends like this, one of the reasons why that's true. Because Georgia has a chance here over the course of these few days, starting yesterday, moving into Saturday, to strike a pretty big blow to two different rivals. And that's always kind of a nice thing to do. It was recruiting yesterday. We'll get there in a moment. It's obviously on the field on Saturday with Tennessee. Let's do that here right now. And what Georgia's plans are to prevent this big atmosphere and this upset opportunity and all that kind of stuff Georgia's obviously got a plan to stop that and we're going to address that here coming up in the next couple of minutes beginning with this Tennessee coach Josh Heupel boy he's got some big talk out there right now he believes this can be a big day for his program on Saturday a lot like what last year was when Tennessee came to Georgia this is what Josh Heupel said this week there's a what you call a teleconference every Wednesday it's all the SEC coaches they pop on there via the telephone and the uh uh the media types are all there and so it's every coach every week Heupel was on there yesterday and Heupel was really hyping up no pun intended what he thought the atmosphere could be like in Neyland Stadium on Saturday let's begin with that here right now I'm going to read this to you Heupel saying I expect it to be as an electric of an atmosphere as we've ever had there which is as good as there is in college football, he says about Neyland Stadium. Crowd noise can have a factor in the football game if you don't do things to control the controllables and operate and communicate effectively during the course of the game. Josh Heupel goes on to say, some of that happened to us last year. We need to make it extremely difficult for them to communicate. That needs to be a part of the uh, football game. I certainly expect to see our crowd ready for this one when we kick off. Now, there are a couple of reasons why I sort of share that quote with you. First of all, I do believe, and I have tried to say this here this week without kind of overdoing it, I have tried to suggest this week that the notion that Tennessee is just going to lay down and die because their season is seemingly over, they were embarrassed last week at Missouri, that I do think the Tennessee players, the Tennessee coaches, and even the Tennessee fans see this as sort of like one more, like, do you like golf? Um, If you like golf, it used to be that the PGA Championship the fourth major was the last major and I actually sort of missed this being in August a little bit uh, but it used to be the PGA championship was the final major and it was in August now it's in May and so the final majors now the British Open but it used to be that the PGA championship was in May and many of you who followed PGA Tour and professional golf you know that the nickname the PGA championship had when it was august was this was glory's last shot and honestly the pga championship has sort of always had a little bit of a difficult time for those of you who care about golf establishing its own identity in comparison to the masters and the british open and the u.s open which have very easily well-defined identities pga championship has never quite had as much of that so the notion that it was glory's last shot your last chance to win a major championship in a given year That was a certain level of branding that the PGA Championship probably doesn't have anymore now that it's moved forward. Anyway, that's a different sport and obviously not the the purpose of our conversation here. But the whole idea of glory's last shot, I do think that's what Tennessee is sort of selling it on here this week. Okay, we can't win the East. You know, got, you know, three losses already. There's not a whole lot going on around here. But 
Last year, we beat Alabama. We also beat Florida last year. Now we get this rivalry game against Georgia. Remember, Cooper Mays talked about that earlier this week. This is sort of glory's last shot. This is our last chance to have something to show for the year that is 2023. That is what Tennessee, I believe, is sort of selling this game on being here on Saturday. Now, most Georgia fans kind of roll their eye at the notion of, well, you know, last year Georgia's crowd got all over us and Heupel's seeming insinuation that, well, if it's not for that, then maybe we win that game, if not for that Georgia crowd. And so now we're going to return the favor here this year as if Georgia and Tennessee are a program that are equals here at the moment. Obviously, that's not true. So you can kind of laugh and roll your eyes at that. You know, Heupel probably trying to push something that's not quite completely accurate there on all of that but I would say directionally Hypel is accurate in that Tennessee fans the ones that have tickets the ones that are coming to Knoxville on Saturday they probably like a lot of fans do have the ability to talk themselves into this being sort of a glory's last shot type moment and we're going to play for one Saturday as if we are still a good team and as if our team does have something to accomplish this year we're going to try to upend a long winning streak for Georgia and get this rivalry win that has for the most part eluded us uh here during the uh, Kirby Smart era uh we're going to try to do that here on Saturday I believe that's probably true so the question then becomes okay well what does Georgia plan on doing to prevent that because obviously for Georgia on Saturday while it does have the SEC East sewn up it knows that it's playing Alabama coming up in the SEC championship the mission to go for three and 23 will eventually be the most prominent discussion we have around here but taking care of business week to week is also a step towards eventually getting to that end of season goal if Josh Heupel a believes his crowd's going to be loud and also thinks that crowd can be impactful and kind of slowing down what Georgia wants to do the question then becomes okay well what does Georgia plan on doing to thrive in a hostile environment probably the most hostile environment it'll face all season what does Georgia plan on doing to succeed when everything in a building filled with 110,000 people at least the majority of the folks in that building will be trying to put all the energy they can towards keeping you from being successful what's Georgia's plan with all of that well earlier this week Georgia coach Kirby Smart talked about the success the key to winning on the road and luckily it is something that Georgia seems to be kind of doing pretty well at right now this is Kirby Smart on that going back earlier this week you gotta find ways to run the ball you can't sit there and think you're gonna be able to just throw it every down and win a game you gotta win the line of scrimmage the keys to winning on the road are the same as keys to winning at home just more difficult I mean it doesn't change the game doesn't change you got to be able to uh, take a punch you got to be able to take momentum uh, changes uh, but the people in stands aren't playing in the game so the, the the outside elements of all the undisciplined penalties and and all those things we, we try really hard to avoid those when we go on the road because they're self-inflicted wounds sometimes but that's the challenge the challenge is win the line of scrimmage uh, win the turnover battle win the explosive battle and you do that by blocking and tackling people doesn't that just feel like really really true like smart mentions a lot of things there but the thing that smart mentions first like isn't that just the most true of all this crowd is loud they want to believe that anything is possible they want to believe that their team is actually better than the three losses they've seen them suffer through thus far this season hope wants to spring eternal at opening kickoff like how do you take the air out of the balloon from the word go Smart says, run the ball. In other words, you can kind of dream up any scenario in football 
But the thing that sort of brings you back to reality and kind of brings you crashing back down to earth very, very fast is when you realize the other team is just more physically imposing than you are because there is no game plan around that. Being bigger, being stronger, and having the will to use that strength to your advantage, that's the kind of thing that upends any upset before he doesn't have, even has a chance to get started. And that's what Kirby Smart says they're going to try to do on Saturday. Going to try to run the ball, going to try to utilize what they believe can be an advantage on the line of scrimmage. And here's the thing. If we're being honest here for a moment, go back to early September, October. You know, George's ability to run it whenever it wanted to. Were we sure we were going to see that on a week-in, week-out basis? Perhaps we weren't. Was the Georgia offensive line truly dominating there at that particular point? At times, perhaps, that it wasn't. Georgia certainly wasn't kind of piling up the rushing yards in a way that we were used to seeing it do. But now, late November, when Kirby Smart says, yeah, we're going to run the ball on the road, and that's going to be our recipe for taking this crowd out of the game. All of a sudden, that's a lot more believable after what you saw on Saturday against Ole Miss and probably an underrated defense. Now, how good is Ole Miss really? I guess I don't know. Uh, after a 52-17 beatdown, you might say maybe not a great team. But the one thing that the Rebels had been sneaky good at all year long was actually kind of a sneaky good defense. But the Georgia rushing attack had a lot of success on Saturday. And for a Georgia passing attack, that has been a big, big part of the story all year long adding that rushing attack component to this obviously for George that was a big revelation and the cool part about that for UGA fans is it was sort of that breakout moment for a name that Georgia fans have had circled all year long for a guy that could do big things for Georgia that's running back Kendall Milton you can make all the deal you want to about Ladd McConkey coming back from a back entry and the heroic way in which Brock Bowers came back from an ankle injury more on him before our show is done today but don't discount the return of Kendall Milton, who's been playing here a little bit, but never better than he was on Saturday night. So when Kirby Smart says, we're going to go on the road, we're going to run the ball, we're going to dominate the line of scrimmage, and that's going to take the Tennessee crowd out of the game. Based on what Milton did on Saturday, the idea of that being true becomes a whole lot more believable. In fact, let's go back to uh, Saturday's post-game press conference when Milton did have the big breakout game. Kirby talked then about how valuable he could be. This is what Kirby Smart said going back to Saturday night. Well, Kendall ran really hard tonight. I thought that was like the, the toughest and hardest I've seen him run. You know, he he ran through tackles. He ran through people's face. I mean, he, he, he ran like he was mad. And uh, he approached the whole week that way. He's really stepped up and become a more vocal leader. I think a lot of the credit goes to Kendall and Dejon, but a lot of the credit goes to that offensive line too because we felt like we had the ability to keep fresh. We had three tackles rolling and we had three guards rolling. And to me, that was – those special and I'm not taking anything away from Kendall because Kendall was the best Kendall tonight the way he ran would you like to see more of a Kendall Milton running mad on Saturday against Tennessee I believe that you will and would you like to see that paired as Kirby Smart said with Dejon Edwards of course you want that too and are you happy with, with the way this Georgia offensive line is playing right now yes you are indeed all of that's really true from Kirby Smart now let me finish this topic by saying this Obviously, one of the things that I've sort of pushed this week, and I've tried not to push it too hard, I've just tried to suggest it lightly and gently, is that I do think that Saturday can still be a dangerous game for uh, Georgia, despite the fact that it's undefeated and it's got many more wins still to come, and the fact that Tennessee has frankly not playing nearly as well right now. College football has a way of sort of surprising us from time to time, and I've tried to suggest that you know, it could be that Georgia's got one more close game still to play here before it gets to the mission of go for three and 23. Still expect Georgia to win, of course, but maybe getting challenged on the road wouldn't be incredibly shocking if we saw that. That's what I've said here this week. However, I want to kind of conclude by saying 
while I have pushed that as an idea, it's important to note, especially in light of Josh Heupel saying what he said, Georgia seemingly clearly focused on being as intense and physical as it can possibly be to counter counteract whatever Tennessee throws at it in the road environment. The whole notion that, uh, you know, it could be dangerous for Georgia, that it could be a tricky spot for Georgia. While I have pushed that as kind of a hunch or sort of a belief that I have, the truth is the actual numbers, and I always try to lean on the numbers when I possibly can, the actual numbers here don't necessarily back that up. So for those of you who've been like yelling at your phone or yelling at your laptop when you've heard me say this week, be careful about Georgia, you know, as a 10-point favorite here. Maybe this game's a little closer than that. Let me give you some evidence to back up your point against me and sort of suggest why my point, you know, maybe it's a hunch, maybe it's just sort of a sneaking suspicion, but not necessarily backed up empirically. When you look at Georgia in its last five SEC road games, played November or later what you see is is that Georgia's four and one against the spread in those last five games the only instance in which they didn't cover the spread was last year's Kentucky game very cold uh, kind of a bad weather type deal but last trip here to Neyland in 2021 easy cover for Georgia the game played against Mississippi State last year a cover for UGA a little bit close in the first half but Georgia pulled away there in the uh, second half uh by the way Georgia had nothing to play for when it played Neyland in 2021 yet as I said before still won easily go back to 2020 you know late season games they are in November once again it's South Carolina it's Missouri you know Georgia had already known it wasn't going to win the SECs but still won those games easily Georgia for the most part's been pretty good in the uh, month of November using the spread as kind of a judge there on that uh they've had no problem covering the spread in SEC road games over the course of the last two or three years here on the other side of that for Tennessee for all that Josh Heupel wants to say about oh nobody's got a better home field advantage than us nobody creates an environment that's more difficult for teams to come and play than our Tennessee fans do kneeling loud they like to call it the truth is the numbers don't back that up necessarily very well go back and look at the last seven instances under Josh Heupel in which Tennessee's been a home underdog in other words not expected to win the game playing better than expectations you almost never see it uh the one counter example here is the Alabama game last year obviously when Tennessee won as a nine-point underdog but other than that you know Tennessee just one in six straight up as an underdog at home under Josh Heupel and just two and five against the spread as a home underdog there as well so this notion that Tennessee plays far better than expectation when playing at home with a favorable crowd numbers don't necessarily back that up not when an underdog anyway so you know I'm going to stick with my hunch I still think there's a chance this game is a little closer than experts think it's going to be I obviously expect it to be a Georgia win but perhaps a little bit more of a hard-fought win than some Georgia fans are kind of anticipating it to be but even as I say that I wanted to make sure I at least gave you the fair and balanced uh, numerical side of this which suggests that Tennessee actually hasn't been quite as good at home when facing stiff competition as Josh Heupel thinks that it has and Georgia in games in which it kind of has nothing to play for sort of like it does on Saturday that doesn't stop Georgia in the past from being incredibly motivated does the same thing sort of show up again here this weekend there's obviously a very good chance that's true either way the recipe for a Georgia victory is exactly as smart described it to be going on the road run the ball establish the physical dominance open up opportunities for Carson Beck in this passing game to get some big plays take this Tennessee crowd out of it and uh, Neyland Stadium in Knoxville can be painted red and black come Saturday night. 
My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Meriwether and Tharp, and we are happy to have you with us. No matter how you get to us, live on video, 945, that's our first in 15, on the Dog Nation homepage and Dog Nation app. So happy to have that audience joining us each and every morning. A lot of fun, that is. Of course, across all video platforms after that at 10 a.m., the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960 Rev, podcast wherever you find them, every podcast platform. We're just happy to make the show available and happy that you have found it. We really, really appreciate you being a part of all of that with us. Also, a big thanks to our friends at Meriwether and Tharp making today's show possible there as well. Your source for Georgia divorce. And boy, I mean Georgia when I say Georgia because as you know, our friends at Meriwether and Tharp have a brand new website we've been rolling out for you here over the course of the last few weeks. It's georgiadivorceteam.com. Georgiadivorceteam.com because our friends at Meriwether and Tharp now extending their services beyond just the Atlanta area. They've got offices opening up very soon in Savannah and in Athens, really stretching across the state here because they believe the service they can provide for you uh, should be for as many people in the state of Georgia as can possibly get it. And I love that because... Here's the thing you've heard me say many times before. That divorce is obviously scary and confusing. And we don't sugarcoat that, right? We know how harrowing of an experience that can be for those who may see themselves going through that or those who anticipate that they might be going through that. But that's why I recommend Meriwether and Tharp. Not because divorce is great. Uh, divorce may not feel very great for you here right now. But quality service, uh, intimate care, that can be great. You can have great service in the midst of a challenging situation. And that's what I believe that Meriwether and Tharp is able to provide. Because I think one of the things that Meriwether and Tharp does is it has a lot of knowledge about how it feels to be in this. And one of the strongest feelings you may feel right now is what all this means for you financially, including the cost of the divorce process itself. And that's where Meriwether and Tharp has sort of set up a range of options for you Depending on whatever your financial expectation might be for this, Meriwether and Tharp's got an option to help you get through this, whether it's more like a DIY type thing that can be done for as low as $99. Perhaps it's the M&T assisted model that makes more sense for you, kind of a step up from do it yourself. That's uh, starting at $1,749. I think one of the things that's perhaps the most popular right now is what they call their model M&T level of service, which offers you a couple of different ways to pay for this. Perhaps it's sort of a subscription thing that you do on a monthly basis until your divorce is completed, or perhaps you just want to pay kind of a flat fee. Once again, you have an idea, some cost certainty about exactly what divorce is going to mean for you. Now, if you want the traditional coverage, uh, they can also offer that for you there as well. But trying to kind of be more creative about the process of providing cost certainty for you as you go through this divorce process here right now. So please check them out online. It's georgiadivorceteam.com. That's georgiadivorceteam.com. Meriwether and Tharp is your source for Georgia divorce. We've got Terrence Edwards coming up on a Thursday, as we always do. That's going to be a really fun conversation. But let me say this there as well. So um, if you are watching live I want you to stick with me to the end of the show. I know yesterday we had a little bit of an issue with our RS Andrews cooldown, and I apologize for that. But today, as kind of a makeup on that, we're to do something really, really fun. So as you know, the Dog Nation invasion takes place on Saturday on the Tennessee River. So many of you looking forward to being there with us for that. I certainly appreciate RS Andrews and Kroger and the Dog Cave for making all that possible. But it's our friends at RS Andrews in particular I want to kind of give a shout out to for a moment because... Some of y'all heard me earlier this week talk about our waiting list and the chance to get on there. And so we kind of hyped that up a little bit. I was told to stop doing that. We have no more room in the waiting list. Cannot do any more of that. 
but there are still so many of you that would love that kind of last minute chance to be on our dog nation invasion on saturday uh so here's what i'm gonna tell you to do stick with us for the rs andrews cooldown at the end of the show and if you're a podcast listener normally and you want your chance in on this go to a video platform facebook or youtube or dognation.com something like that and go to the end of the show for our rs andrews cooldown if you're hearing this kind of after the live broadcast we are going to offer a chance for a couple of folks to win their way onto the dog nation invasion of the tennessee river at no charge so that's going to be a really fun thing courtesy of our friends at rs andrews we'll tell you more details about that here coming up in just a moment we'll give you everything you need to know about that so stick with us for the end of the show there on that for your chance on that all right so it's terrence edwards coming up here in a moment there as well for now though let's get ready to go around the doghouse presented today by our friends at serve pro and we're going to be spiteful here for a second because honestly that's just the way we are from time to time you know the scenario with georgia's biggest rival the florida gators lousy stinking gators we call them around here uh obviously georgia's getting ready for tennessee on the field on saturday but that doesn't mean that georgia can't walk and chew gum at the same time while they are preparing for what hopefully will be a beat down of the vols they are also in the midst of another beat down when it comes to florida and recruiting and there is something sort of extra sweet here about a recruiting win against florida here right now nasir johnson the latest to uh flip away from florida to uga let's give him a little bit of a shout out here right now very good defensive lineman kind of an interesting uh divide perhaps so to speak from when it comes to the industry on uh johnson he's actually rated as like a top 75 player according to the 24 7 sports individual ranking uh you know kind of a top 200 ish overall when you sort of factor in all of the various ranking service but 24 7 really likes uh johnson a lot a four-star guy out of dublin high school here in georgia been a florida defensive line commit flipping away from uga we believe that georgia's probably not done with its defensive line uh, recruiting before this cycle is done. In fact, it may not be done with former Florida defensive line commits when it comes to all of that there as well. A lot of that coming up with Jeff Sintel there tomorrow. But the sort of quick, easy headline for right now is, is that Georgia gets the big recruiting win. Nasir Johnson takes the official visit for the game against Ole Miss on Saturday. Fresh off of that, boom, kicks Florida to the curb and on his way to UGA, which we always really, really love. Now, the thing that makes this extra sweet right now is the backdrop around the florida program billy napier is at florida for one reason billy napier is here is because he was thought to be the kind of coach that could build out a more robust recruiting apparatus than what dan mullen in place had in place prior to uh, napier getting here and the truth is for the most part that's kind of working out they got the big quarterback commit dj lagway they are near the top of the recruiting rankings on the composite for this uh year that for the most part things have been going really well for florida in recruiting they have had a couple of decommits as of late. Nazir Johnson becomes, what, the third within the last seven days or so for Florida when it comes to all of that. And all of this sort of brings back to mind the ineptitude that Florida has been dealing with that even created the job opening for Napier in the first place. You know, going back to the time of Dan Mullen, the whole idea of recruiting, that's not something he enjoyed talking about very much. And he didn't want to talk about it at all during the season. Do you remember uh, back in the 2021 uh, uh, season when Mullen was still employed as the florida coach and the whole idea of recruiting came up and he essentially tried to like sidestep the entire topic this is mullen going back to 2021 we're in the season right now we'll do recruiting after the season and when it gets this recruiting time we can talk about recruiting so florida fans were like we don't want a coach that doesn't want to talk about recruiting and if you want to have an idea of just how long sort of that like 
I guess, blemish has lingered in the air. You remember after the Florida game this year when Georgia won and Kirby Smart in the postgame press conference talking about, you know, uh, people predicting Florida to beat Georgia, obviously making the veiled reference to Dan Mullen to give you an idea as you see the uh, nice flip there on the uh, video screen. Yeah, you know, it's, it's an amazing level of athleticism, really, really quite impressive. Uh, let's watch this one more time for those of you on video. How about this? Now, my daughter's into gymnastics. I believe she would call that a back tuck there. Uh, that's 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 incredible. What an incredible thing to see that is. But the point is, the idea of of Mullen not liking to recruit and things like that, that's such a prominent top-of-mind idea that when Kirby wanted to take the zinger and the jab at Mullen after this year's Florida game because Mullen had picked the Gators to beat uh, UGA, he kind of called back up on this again in that post-game press conference. This is just from a few weeks ago. Many of you remember this, but it's always kind of fun to kind of live through stuff like this again. Uh, Kirby Smart making fun of Dan Mullen. I don't see it or hear it, but I know it's out there. Somebody texted me before the game. It's like all these people predicting that uh, – that we're not gonna, you know, we're, we're not gonna uh, win today. And I'm just like, golly, you know, where's that coming from? It's supposed to be my friend. <laughs> he didn't like to recruit though, so it's, it's all I guess. Kirby taking the jab at Mullen. Oh, he didn't like to recruit though. Uh, Mullen himself letting you know back in the 2021 season. Hey, I, we'll talk about recruiting when it gets to be the recruiting time of year. Well, Florida said we want a coach who views all 12 months as the recruiting time of year we want a coach who's serious about recruiting and right now that's all billy napier has because they're not winning nothing bad grammar intentional they're not winning nothing on the football field recruiting's all they have and you start to wonder is that starting to crack here just a little bit few decommits and this year johnson uh didn't take him very long to sort of realize georgia was the right place for him to be this is a very good defensive line addition for uga so We'll obviously celebrate this, what this means for the dogs. Obviously, Georgia's got a needed defensive line, given how many current defensive linemen on this team are likely to move on at the end of this year. Uh, so this is good news for Georgia, but it's also bad news for the lousy, stinking Gators. And we always have a little bit of time to sort of pause and appreciate just how bad things have been for Florida, dating back to Mullen's time as coach, and the fact that some of that bad vibe still lingers here even during the uh, Billy Napier era. So a really good time and a really, really enjoyable thing. Always good when Georgia wins a recruiting battle for a four-star defensive lineman, but it's sort of extra sweet when they do so at the expense of those lousy, stinking Gators. And right now, Billy Napier, for all the big talk and all the hope and all the anticipation, the actual results for Florida still aren't much better than they were, if better at all, in the uh, Dan Mullen uh, time. So uh, kind of fun to think about all of that. And we'll make that around the doghouse presented today by our friends at serve pro now listen florida's got a mess and i don't know if there's any hope in cleaning all that up but if you are dealing with your own mess there is hope for you so if you have your home or your commercial property or something like that it's been damaged by fire or it's been kind of wrecked by like water intrusion something like that obviously you want all of that sort of put back together like it never even happened and that's where the restoration specialist from serve pro can be a really important resource for you because each and every serve pro franchise independently owned and operated these are folks who are dedicated to getting out in the field and taking good care of you getting your mess cleaned up rental property commercial property your actual 
personal home, whatever the story is, if it's been damaged, if there's fire, if there's water that's gotten where it's not supposed to be, if you've got some sort of huge mess that needs to be cleaned up, the restoration specialists of Serpro want to do great work for you. So please make sure you reach out to them online at servpro.com. That's S-E-R-V, servpro.com for a lot more on that. We appreciate Serpro bringing around the doghouse to us here today all right before we're done brock bauer said some very good things about his return to uga and we'll talk more about why that i think matters for the dogs as you sort of move into this kind of final stretch run of the season but prior to that big game for georgia against tennessee on saturday and a lot of fun for the dogs on offense let's talk to a guy who's actually had a lot to say about this in recent days let's do all that right now with our good friend terrence edwards the great former georgia wide receiver on dog nation daily presented by merriweather and tharp from athens and across the sec or wherever the recruiting trail may lead here's a dognation.com insider all right we'll bring in terrence edwards here we'll talk a little georgia tennessee with him to kind of kick things off here terrence the the discussion i've been kind of having thus far this week is you know tough road environment tennessee sort of feels like they're kind of going to make this their like last stand on the season you know georgia's obviously kind of got things sort of salted away here maybe at this point in time it's just sort of looking to get in and get out we may have lost terrence uh did we lose terrence uh okay so we lost terrence we'll see if we can get him back here uh but i'll set him up to talk more about this georgia tennessee game and obviously if you're watching live right now don't forget the uh, message that i gave to you a little bit earlier which is stay with us for our dog nation uh what we call our rs andrews cooldown at the end of the live show stay with us for that here today we may have one more shot to get you in on the dog nation invasion one more chance to do that so please please uh reach out to us and be a part of that and we'll see if we can get you on here. And speaking of getting you on, we got Terrence Edwards here there as well. Terrence, just kind of jump back in the conversation. You know, what's your anticipation for this game there on Saturday? Is this a tough spot for Georgia? Or is Georgia playing at such a level right now that it's almost impossible to create a tough spot for them here in this remaining moments of the regular season? I think just like uh, we, we spoke about last week, B.A., when we just talk about what they have to play for, and I just spoke about they, they still have a lot to play for. And a lot last week was, you know, winning the East. Um, and they, they accomplished that even though that they had already won the East before they played. Just look how they play. I just think it's about pride. Uh, I was just speaking with a coworker this morning. I think one of the best things that I've seen out of this coaching staff is how they get 18 to 21-year-old young men to come out and play with the same hunger and fight and focus each week, knowing that most of the time they're the better team, they're picked to win. They've been ranked number one for how many consecutive weeks they have a winning streak that's that's ongoing. It's hard getting young men yeah. up to play and stay focused and they've done a great job. I think they just the coaching job of keep getting these young men to play with the same fire each week is, is a great coach a great example of of a great coaching staff. Yeah, I think you're exactly right about that. And I think that the motivation to just be better than the team you're playing on Saturday, that seems to work for Georgia almost as well as like the tangible result. You know, last week, as you mentioned, you know, there was the chance to 
kind of own the East by winning that game uh, on Saturday. And clearly there's some motivation there around that. But it's also you just don't want whatever team lines up across from you. You don't want to give them that moment to think they might be better than you or they got the best of you in that given moment. And it seems like on a week-to-week basis, that's kind of what motivates Georgia, that ability to just be better than whoever it is that you're playing and make sure they know, the other side knows, that you are the better team and individually you are the better player. It seems like Georgia feeds on that motivation a good bit. I think so. I just think that just the way that uh, if you hear former players speaking to uh, maybe recruits and you always hear that if you don't love football, you you don't need to come to Georgia. I just think he has a bunch of guys that just love football and think the coaching staff have done a great job of just uh, institutionalizing the Georgia way, the, the culture at Georgia, the way Kirby wants his team to play. And you see that fire every weekend. Like I said, it's hard. I've been there. It's hard just getting up week in and week out um, and, and playing at your, your best. And he's gotten the best out of these young men now for at least three straight years of uh, just going and playing high-level championship football. And uh, you got to give credit to the coaching staff, and you got to give credit to the to the young men going in and, and continue having that focus and fight and fire to be the best each week. One more thing on this topic. The other thing, and you kind of touched on this a moment ago too, you know, you can also make a case that while Georgia doesn't have like an SEC championship berth to play for anymore and while there are more important games that george will play later than when it's playing on saturday the truth is given the national landscape right now the fact that of the teams rated in the top eight by the college ball playoff top 25 there's only a combined two losses from that group here right now that in order to like be in the college ball playoff you'd be well served by winning every game as much as you possibly can you know the last two years georgia probably earned its way into the college ball playoff before it even got to the sec championship we don't know if that's going to be a a possibility this year just given you know how deep the field seems to be at the moment but it certainly uh doesn't hurt to continue to pile up wins and put pressure on the committee as the two-time national champion to include the dogs no matter what so there is a you know roundabout way in that kind of overall mission to as we say here go for three and 23 the more you keep piling up wins the more you're building your case and your candidacy for being in the college ball playoff no matter what i think we have to be undefeated going into the sec championship game to kind of lock and guarantee ourselves a, a spot in the in the top four so um, Michigan still has to play Ohio State. So there's some games that there that's going to lead to uh, some other teams losing. But we have to continue to, to stay unbeaten. I mean, I just think uh, it'll be a shame if we go into um, one of these last two games and lose, then happen to lose against Alabama in the SEC championship game. I mean, we definitely won't be in. So there's a lot to play for, a lot of things that are riding on these last two games. And in the SEC championship game, I, I think these kids won't – don't want to leave any doubt in anyone's mind who's the best program in America right now. I want to talk to you about something you've obviously had some fun with on social media, and I do believe it's a topic that that ought to be addressed here right now, and that's the emergence of Mike Bobo as kind of a fan favorite after what was obviously a good deal of criticism before the season began and some skepticism about Kirby Smart's decision to hire, you know, Bobo as offensive coordinator. Oh my gosh, you know, he's obviously answered that to a to a huge degree, you know, just given the overall offensive success that George has enjoyed you know you've clearly uh, kind of had some fun with this what do you make of kind of the way in which now Bobo is being reconsidered and all of a sudden it seems like a lot of Georgia fans who are perhaps not quite so sure to begin with and to the credit of a lot of Georgia fans 
many of them have openly admitted this of, hey, I wasn't too sure, but now I'm obviously thrilled. You know, a lot of Georgia fans have been more than happy to acknowledge the about face that their opinion has made. But what do you make of the way in which the uh, reputation of Mike Bobo has really been bolstered based on the way the Georgia offense has performed here this year? I just think, you know, to me, and I'm not trying to change anyone's opinion, but just from my train, I, I never even thought this would be uh, such a big deal. Uh, I think he averaged, he's as the OC, has the highest scoring average in Georgia history throughout the four uh, years. Um, so he's always been able to put up points. Um, what I've always said is just the talent gap is a little different between his first stint in Athens and his and his second. I think, you know, he had to win a few games in his first stint, 48, 40. Like, he had to score a lot of points to win the games. And I, I don't think now with the defense that he has, with the team that we have, you don't have to go out there and feel that you have to score or call the perfect play on every possession. If you if we do go through now, we don't score and we punt. You're very confident that our defense is going to get you the ball back in a timely manner that we're going to uh, be able to score points at some point. So you know, with with him and having the ability to be up on the coach market, I think they help each other out. I know for a fact that they help each other out. Bobo wasn't there last year just to be there. He actually helped with the game plans. He helped with, with the overall scheme of things. And, I'm sure you, you, he learned a lot of things from Coach Monk, and then he put it into his way of calling plays, and every play call is different. But he, I'm sure he learned things from Monk, and Monk learned things from him, and I think that's helped Bobo to even become a better uh, OC. If, you, if you're not getting better at your job and staying the same, then you're going to get stagnant, you're going to get stale. So I, I just think Bobo has done a, a great job with, with up-the-middle runs and, and – and, I-formation tall sweeps and, and two-minute screen passes to average 40 points. So if he continued to run up the middle, uh, we went back to old I-formation I tall sweep for score and throwing screens, and we continue to average 40 points, then just sign me up for, for that type of offense. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, the thing that Kirby Smart pointed out this week is is that part of what's made the performance of Bobo so impressive is the fact that for good portions of this year, you either didn't have Ladd McConkey or then, you know, for the Florida game, you didn't have Brock Bowers. That, you know, he hasn't really – for you didn't have the, the same version of Kendall Milton you saw on Saturday. I didn't have Marius Mims. That, that Georgia's had to play without some pretty key components a lot, and yet the production for the most part was still there. And so now, Terrence, you start to think about – okay, well, the offense on Saturday, this was everybody fully healthy, and it was 50-whatever points against the top uh, – 52 points against a top-10-ranked team. And so not only has it been a very successful season for Bobo thus far, it is very easy to imagine that Georgia's about to, much like it did a year ago, kind of turn on its offensive firepower now that you're getting to the most important games here coming up, that perhaps the Ole Miss game was a little bit of a precursor to the best being yet to come for this Georgia offense and kind of playing at that level for much of the rest of the season. Oh, most definitely. I mean, you just hit on a great point that uh, the the full complement of his players he, he hasn't had throughout this whole season. We always had – um, backups in, we had to miss and match on the O-line. Uh, Ladd hasn't been in, one of your best receivers. Um, Brock missed a few games. Officer came in and did a, a wonderful job. So he hasn't had the, the full complement of who you think is going to be there. And Kendall Milton is, is back 
probably close to 100%. And you saw his ability to just run the football up, up the middle, um, as a lot of fans would call it, and get those tough runs. Yeah. So you, you saw the, the complement of the full arsenal that we can, we have to our uh, ability to have. And just think about those players continue to get to stay healthy. And if he has this full complement, I'll take 50 points each week yeah. with these guys and, <laughs> and, and being able to score against anybody. So give him this full complement of players and let's see what he can do. All right, let me address one final topic with you here just for a moment. Obviously, you know, it's Tennessee on the road on Saturday. You know, I would say that's a big game. Tennessee still ranked in the top 20. Clean old-fashioned hay to close out the regular season. That game obviously matters to a lot of people. Big-time SEC championship, which I want to get to you with here in a moment. But just kind of give me your overall feeling about Georgia. Like, where do you think this team is right now in terms of what you'd perhaps like to see the next couple of regular season games? Or how, like, rounded into form do you believe that Georgia is as it goes into the stretch that's going to determine the way this season's remembered? Yes, I, I mean, the first and foremost, I think this is what everybody wants. We need to come out of these next two games healthiest, healthiest it could be. Uh, we don't need anyone um, offensively or defensively coming out with any kind of nicks, uh, 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 is out uh, for the future. So we, we just need all our guns uh, ready and loaded uh, for the next three games. And then, you know, we'll have some time off from the bowl game. But the biggest thing I just want to see just the consistency of, of getting better each week. You, you you don't want to go into the games and not trying to uh, play your best because you've always uh, already have have locked up the East. Uh, I know Tennessee is uh, one of the rivals, but we can't go into Georgia Tech knowing that we beat them uh, so bad lately that they're not a, a formal opponent. You got to respect each opponent, and I think that's what I would like to see that all teams respect whoever we, we, we play and go out there and just play the Georgia brand of football that we've seen uh, throughout these these three or four years. And listen, I, you know, I do realize that, you know, the team itself can't do this. And, you know, obviously some fans want to kind of keep the focus right here on this particular week there as well. But for a brief moment, can we just look ahead for a brief moment? I think the Georgia-Alabama SEC championship game sets up to be one of the biggest conference title games you know, played here in Atlanta in years, right, where the stakes seem like they're going to be really high. You know, the whole narrative of how many more times is Nick Saban going to get a chance to do this and can Alabama take back from Georgia what Georgia's enjoyed the last couple of years? Like, don't you get the impression – and I know, you know, I don't want Georgia looking ahead, but I don't mind doing it with you for, you know, 60 seconds here. Don't you get the impression this Georgia SEC championship game against Alabama is just going to be an absolute behemoth by the time we get to it and by the time that game is played? I think there's going to be a lot of uh, headlines, talking points, and I think there's a few uh, that would be there. I think the, the biggest one from the Georgia fans, base is probably going to be my my little brother, my good friend, uh, Jermaine Burton. Yeah. And I think the second was going to be uh, what David Pollard said to uh, Nick Saban on a pellet that, that Georgia has taken over college football. So I just think those two things have kind of really, it really reunited this game. And those are going to probably be the two talking points. Of, has Georgia really taken over? He has an opportunity to show the world that we have. And then let's just call it, you know, it, it's going to be that old-fashioned hate from, for, you know, for Jermaine in that game. So it's going to be a lot of talking points. And we can talk about it. We're not playing right. in the game. So be it, we can always look ahead. But 
those are going to be the talking points of the two biggest talking points in that game in my opinion Terrence, really good stuff. I appreciate it, as always. Your insight's so valuable. And obviously, as we mentioned last week, uh, season for a lot of teams you know, has come to an end. And you, obviously, your team, Milton, and a lot of others continue to play on here. But eventually, we'll get to that winter time of year. And it'll be time to start doing that bubble work and training for the next season there as well. So for people who want to contact the Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy, how can they do that? Yes, the bubble work is going to get officially started in February. So anyone's looking to come and join the, the bubble work two days a week uh, with quarterbacks and DBs. You can find me on social media at Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy. Terrence, I appreciate your time. I love the conversation. We'll look forward to doing it again very soon. Thank you. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, I have made a promise to all of you uh, that we're not going to go crazy on the Georgia-Alabama hype until the next two weeks are taken care of because – you know these two regular season games provide plenty of intrigue and interest on their own and obviously Georgia's got the mission the responsibility to win these games but allow yourself to peek ahead for just that brief second like do you realize how big that's going to be I mean it's going to be as I think as big as anything we've seen in quite some time because and we'll get more into this here in a moment but by appearances right now the stakes could be far higher and that's one of the things I think is going to add to this in addition to you know former dog Jermaine Burton playing for Alabama you know the Kirby Saban matchup and how many more times we get a chance to see that the belief and this is the thing that's kind of like sort of sticks in my craw a little bit the idea that what Georgia's enjoyed the last two years they've simply just borrowed from Alabama and that Alabama might want it back now and the idea that Alabama gets it back just because it wants it there's some of that that's out there right now and so we're gonna address all of that coming up in the weeks to come but we're gonna take care of the business at hand first prior to uh, getting to all of that speaking of business to take care of how about cruising around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean you know that's business that we love and the thing that i'm so excited about is because and speaking of trying not to look too far ahead you know you get through this season you finish off the mission go for three and 23 at that point in time it's time for me to start thinking about january of 2024 and being on board icon of the seas largest cruise ship ever constructed i mean it's it's a marvel it's a work of art and it's a gonna be a wonderful experience and I'm excited about it, but I also want my, my purpose for going. You gotta understand this. I am simply going on this so I can come back and tell all of you about it because really it's your own experience that I want to be sensational and wonderful. And that's why I'm going to kind of come back and share the good word about how much fun all of this is going to be. And then when you hear me talk about it, you can go ahead and make your plans to be on Icon of the Seas yourself. But you don't have to wait for me to go. You can start to make plans for this right now because I can promise you the uh, limited space that's available for these early sailings on Icon of the Seas, it is being booked up fast. Uh, that's why you want to reach out to Jessica Slater and let, let her help you out right away. You can give her a call, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. Or you can email her jslater at dreamvacations.com once again that's jslater at dreamvacations.com let her tell you about the dog nation cruise coming up in april but also the debut of icon of the seas largest cruise ship ever constructed getting ready to set sail gonna be a wonderful time so one of the things you know as we go cruising around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean i deeply sincerely love coaching rumors i love this time of year i've said this a million times I like the kind of, oh, this coach may go here and this coach may, may get hired here and whatever else. I just am into all that. And like, because for those of us who love college football, in our mind, 
we can always construct scenarios that we think make sense and sometimes those things match reality and sometimes they don't the other day as a for instance on this you may have heard me say i tell you what i think makes sense dan mullen ought to just go back to mississippi state now at the beginning of the show or near the beginning of the show we made fun of dan mullen because that's what we do but in this particular case i'm actually not making fun of dan mullen this is my attempt to be as objective as i possibly can be i do think if mullen wants to coach again coaching at a place in which he's already had some degree of success and by typical mississippi state standards you know dan mullen was their bear bryant i mean that's like i mean as successful as anyone's ever going to be in starkville it is objectively true that mullen does not love the recruiting process at a place like mississippi state you're not winning a lot of four-star battles necessarily anyway that is a place in which you sort of have to coach guys up more so than go out and beat the bushes for recruits so we were not kidding when we said it's not a it's not a report this is not inside information just sort of a thought it might make sense if mullen wants to coach again for him to go back to mississippi state the one question had been well does mullen really want to coach again my understanding is living there at his home around lake oconee really enjoying all of that spending time with his kids and for some people after making millions of dollars that might be about all you need so it's not obvious that mullen necessarily wants to coach again at least it wasn't but now we have reason to believe that perhaps maybe he does he had a very interesting quote on with his espn here this week and keep in mind mullen has gotten pretty good positive reviews for his tv work meaning that he's effective enough as a communicator to succeed on television that means that when he speaks it's probably not a misspeak it's probably not a oh taken out of context thing because mullen has proved himself to be a pretty effective communicator so this is what dan mullen said this week about the possibility of the mississippi state coaching opening and you tell me if this rings in your ears the same way uh that it rings in mine mullen says as i would say you never say never when it comes to uh those things that go on i haven't spoken to anyone administratively at mississippi state i've uh, talked to all kinds of fans and friends and people that we love in mississippi as you see all over the place you never say never about going back but i don't know if this is the time that sounds like a guy who wants the job does it not and if you're mississippi state i mean you're in a bad spot right you have one and done coach and zach arnett the untimely you know tragic passing of mike leach the year before you need as stabilizing a mechanism as you can possibly get what's about to be a brand new landscape in the sec a coach that you already know can be successful at your spot to me that just sort of seems like it makes some sense now you say well is mullen a better coach than other coaches that mississippi state could hire i mean a lot of that's difficult to determine now i'll also add this too there was the thing earlier this week y'all gotta be careful with stuff like this the fake tweet involving jamie chadwell who's the liberty coach and he was like firing up his liberty team but the location on the tweet said starkville mississippi y'all that's a fake tweet y'all gotta be careful this is not only are we in coaching rumor season we're also in fake tweet season and uh there's gonna be a lot of fake tweets out there so trying to get drawn off sides by that so in other words chadwell may be a candidate for this job but he was not in starkville mississippi this week you may have seen that i don't even think twitter puts the location of tweets on anymore um that's kind of a change i guess elon has made but the point is a lot of fake tweets out there chadwell may be a candidate for this job is mullen better than chadwell i do think that chadwell's doing a good job at liberty here right now but mullen's already been successful at mississippi state before either way kind of interesting to hear from the quote from mullen on espn that makes it sound like under the right circumstances he might be willing to come back that's kind of interesting let me do one more story here for a moment so to me 
the narrative through line of this season thus far and part of this includes Georgia but also this is kind of around Georgia there as well the narrative through line of this particular season is how few of the top teams have lost you know you've got top eight right now from Alabama up to Georgia there's only two combined losses of those eight teams we have a very realistic possibility of having an undefeated ACC champ an undefeated SEC champ an undefeated Big Ten champ, an undefeated Pac-12 champ. Like, like, There's a very strong possibility that the four playoff teams are just undefeated Power Five Conference champions, something that is obviously a pretty big rarity. And then below that, you know, you've got a potential of a team like Texas, very big brand, one at Alabama. They could be a 12-1 Big 12 champ. Um, you know, if Alabama were to beat Georgia, all of a sudden, you know, that's a, you know, you know clearly a, a team with a pretty big resume there at that point. The crop at the top just seems really, really deep right now because, to use a kind of a gambling phrase, the idea of the favorite team being chalk, chalk has just prevailed here thus far. The chalk, the, the, the teams that are ranked up near the top, the expected winners have continued to win at a rate the likes of which we haven't seen in college football. But the one thing we know is college football does have a way of surprising us. So the question we ask ourselves is, is college football going to have a big surprise for us in store at some point in time before this season is done? Is there a chance that chaos just sort of blows through here the next couple of weeks and all of a sudden all of these would be power five uh, undefeated conference champions? All of a sudden we don't have nearly as many of them. I told you yesterday, I'm going to reiterate this right now. When you look at the possibility of chaos and the possibility of something happening that kind of changes the landscape there are two teams right now that matter and neither of these two teams are ranked in the top eight i'm looking at louisville who comes in at number 10 this week and i'm looking at oregon state who comes in at number 11 oregon state especially because oregon state the next two weeks takes on washington this week and they're actually a favorite in that game at home and they have civil war against oregon the following week oregon state could introduce chaos into the story in a way that it hasn't existed before because Oregon State as kind of the ultimate you know uh, uh, middle finger to the rest of the departing Pac-12 teams could eliminate the current Pac-12 from the playoff race by beating rivals Washington and Oregon uh, over the course of the next two weeks keep your eye on the Beavers here this particular weekend the other team I feel strongly about on that's Louisville. Now, Louisville's only got one loss in its own right. They play Miami this week. They've got their in-state rival, Kentucky, the week after that. And then there's a very strong possibility that it's Louisville-Florida State in the ACC title game. Florida State trying to be unbeaten. They've been in the top four. They seem to have a fairly unobstructed path to the playoff. But Louisville wants to change that. Keep your eye on that. Other than that, for this weekend, you don't expect the two Big Ten teams, Ohio State and Michigan, to have too much trouble. That's Minnesota, Maryland, respectively, there on that. Uh, you know, Oregon, you know, they've got Arizona State this week. Arizona State's been a tough team to figure out, uh, kind of up and down here a little bit. Maybe you keep your eye on Oregon just a bit. Obviously, you know, Georgia's on the road against a ranked opponent. I guess you got to take that seriously a little bit, too. The other team to mention here is Texas against Iowa State. The thought here is, well, you know, Texas has been kind of hanging by a string here as of late, winning some of these games a little closer than it's supposed to be on the road against Iowa State. They're just barely above a touchdown favorite in that spot. The truth is, is I've been pretty pro-Texas here this season because even in the, you know, the wake of uh, uh, lost, 
you know, quarterback, Quinn Ewers has been injured away, you know, from the field here for a few weeks. Texas has still found a way to keep winning. Now they have a star running back who's also been injured too. That creates even more of a challenge. But Texas, on the heels of getting the big signature win at Alabama, has kind of found a way to win week after week after week since then. To me, that's the Longhorns doing their job. And we'll see if they're also able to kind of avoid chaos by going on the road and winning again and preserving that playoff spot for them. Could be a fun debate. Could be a fun discussion. It could be the kind of situation where, to bring it back to Georgia, Georgia itself needs to keep winning each week because the teams around them are kind of doing the same. We'll make that cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And before we get back to the Georgia Bulldogs and our conversation about them and some cool stuff from Brock Bowers, let me also give a shout out to our friends at Mr. Electric, Dog Nation's choice for residential and commercial electrical needs. They've been in business for nearly 30 years and they offer repair work, installations, lighting work, and of course, electrical safety, because let's be honest with you. Safety is very important when it comes to any kind of stuff when it, uh, around your house related to electricity. Plus, they've also got a team of licensed experts, insured electricians, and upfront flat rate pricing. So if you need 24-hour emergency service or if you just need to quote on some work you've been looking to get done, Mr. Electric's got you covered on all of that. It's a neighborly company, and they're right here around your neighborhood there as well. MrElectricAtlanta.com is the website. That's right. Visit MrElectricAtlanta.com for a lot more on that today all right you know the big story going back to this past saturday it was brock bowers return amazing and that bowers seemed to recover from this tightrope ankle injury as quickly as anyone perhaps ever has at least right there at the front end of what we've seen anybody do before and bowers talked this week about his decision to do that and i think when you listen to brock here one of the things that you're going to get is is it's not just a statement about who Brock Bowers is, but I believe it's a statement about the team around Brock, the fact that he was this motivated not just to come back for his own sake, but to come back for the sake of those who also share this locker room with him at Georgia. This is Brock talking about that a little earlier this week. Take a listen to that. What goes through your head you know, as, as you get some of those calls and such? Um, I mean, I just kind of – I mean, it never really crossed my mind. I just wanted to always come back and uh, for the team and all the guys in the locker room. I mean, I'd, uh, we all care so much about each other, and I just wanted to come back and try to help the team win. I think one of the things that we spend some time wrestling with and discussing around here is, you know, is Georgia going to do this again? I mean, obviously right there in the front of the desk, we have go for three and 23. It's something we believe in. It's our prediction. But it's also a monumental task. And when you look at a season in which Georgia remains undefeated and kind of winning week to week, what you're looking for are those hints, those clues dropped along the way. This really can be the kind of special team capable of doing something unprecedented, winning a third straight national championship. I don't want you to miss this as a possible very important data point in all of that. And I don't just mean because Brock Bowers, the sensational player, is returning. I'm telling you right now. This is about more than just Bowers, because you heard Brock say this. The guys in this locker room are special. I wanted to come back for them. Brock Bowers obviously wants to demonstrate how good he is and sort of thwart all the naysayers who suggested he shouldn't come back. Kirby Smart addressed that on Saturday night. But Bowers says his reason for doing so was not so he could demonstrate his own greatness and demonstrate his own toughness and further move himself up the draft board. He says, I like this locker room. I like this team. I want to come back to play with this team some more. I think potentially, y'all, that's a pretty important data point because the guys closest to the action, they just know. There are secrets 
contained within a locker room that we can never be aware of. I know everybody sort of knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody, and everybody sort of got the inside scoop when it comes to Georgia football. But there is still some knowledge contained in the inner sanctum of this team that can never be fully understood by people who are not in the room. And Brock Bauer is obviously in the room. And what Bauer says is, I like these guys. I like the feeling that we have playing together. And I want as much of that as I can possibly get. To me, that stands as a pretty big hint. This team can be special. It's obviously not a guarantee of anything, of course. But Bowers is not coming back to a team that he thinks is unworthy of his effort and unworthy of his dedication. And the fact that Bowers, who is as hungry to compete as he is, believes this is a team that wants to compete just as hard as he does, boy, that tells you a lot about what George can be before this season's done. wanted to make sure we closed out our show by mentioning that here today. Also, one more thing to give you here. A lot of fun stuff coming with our friends at Cartersville in the days ahead. How about the Gun Show of the South coming up November 18th and 19th? Uh, and you can look for a fun new restaurant to celebrate the holiday season. How about Largo's in downtown Cartersville there as well? So a lot of great stuff going on in the Cartersville area here. And uh, Largo's also, also getting you ready for some family-style Thanksgiving meals uh, for a really, really fun opportunity for Thanksgiving here coming up. So some great stuff going on with the folks up there in Cartersville. So make sure you uh, go to the website, visitcartersvillega.org for more on that. That's visitcartersvillega.org for a lot more on that today. So yesterday, we were not able to bring you a great collection of golden shoes because we had a little bit of an issue, which we don't want to talk too much about, but it did happen. The point is, so today we're going to make up for what we didn't do yesterday, and then tomorrow try to have a big old Friday shoes dump of all the stuff that we planned on doing today and just make sure we give full credit to everybody who sent some great stuff to us here over the course of the last few days. Now, Let's give you our first golden shoe for today. We've got some great ones, and this is one of the best we've gotten in a long time. Real Pop 75 sends this incredible, incredible uh, rendition here. He says, which of these will best represent Dog Nation invasion on the Tennessee River? And you've got a couple of great examples of Georgia fans all over one of these boats, one of these barges, the Georgia flags, the uh, replica there of Uga, fans all over the place. Uh, Real Pop 75, back-to-back Nanny Champs on Twitter. What an amazing thing this is. One of the most deserving golden shoes we've had in quite some time. You love to see that. And uh, what an exciting thing to do to get ready for Dog Nation Invasion on the Tennessee River coming up on Saturday. Really good stuff. How about our next one also as well? Uh, Clint Haynes writes in, one of the jokes as of late has been the idea of turning the uh, Tennessee River red. Uh, Clint says, B.A. is going to paint that much larger Hillbilly River red this weekend. Hashtag go dogs. Hashtag go for three and 23. He's also got the dogs winning 41-13 there on Saturday. So, Clint, we love that, and we love the idea of taking over that Tennessee River and, at least figuratively speaking, painting it red. Good stuff from Clint there on that. And then, finally, another golden shoe to give out here. Uh, Our buddy UGA Nation 412 has always given us some great stuff. Sharing this from our friends over at 960 The Ref earlier this week he uh, writes in i woke up this morning and a close friend of mine from uh, west virginia who's also a big dog fan tagged me in this on facebook and i needed to share it with you this is truly great stuff and it's 960 the ref showing a cool picture of kamari laster saying the earth's surface is roughly 71 percent water and the rest is covered by kamari laster really fun stuff there on that 960 the ref 
and then also a UGA Nation 412 who shared all of that. Great golden shoes today, and they may be a day late, but nonetheless, we get them on the screen here today, which I'm always happy to do. A lot more golden shoes coming tomorrow there too. But before we wrap up things today, let's give you our Gator Hater Updater. Lousy, stinking Gators, crying big crocodile tears after Nasir Johnson's flip to UGA, and more pain coming here when they realize it's been 1,104 days since they have beaten Georgia. That is good news to close out our show. We'll see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp.